Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll-Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence ours and theirs. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cara. I want to start today by telling you a story. You have that face on. I do. My story face. Um, It's on topic, as my kids would say. Oh, good. Well, that's a change for us sometimes. (laughs) So here's my story. You know, I've spent many years writing books about puberty. And my first few books were about puberty in the biologically female body, even though really it's just about puberty. And then there are a few pages that happen to be about the biologically female body. But um, I spent a long time rallying to be able to write the same book about the biologically male body, because the experience of transformation in puberty is really not gendered at all. And so about five years after my first girl book came out, I published Guy Stuff. Mm -hmm. Guy Stuff was the very first boy product ever from the company American Girl. And it was under such wraps for so long that I didn't even tell my children about it. Oh my God. Until the box came and the book was there. And and I really didn't even believe it was going to come out. So I just thought, I'm not going to tell my kids that I wrote this book. So the box arrives And the galley copies are there. And my daughter was probably, I think she was about 14 at the time. And that would make her brother 12 at the time. And remember, she had lived her entire tween 
and early teen existence as the daughter of the person who wrote all the girl body books, which is, you know, I think is very fun. She might have a different (laughs) adjective. Um, And she opens the box and she says, what is this? And I said, I didn't tell you guys, but I wrote the boy version. It's called Guy Stuff. And she flips it open and she happens to land on a two-page spread. And at the top is in gigantic block print, the word erections. And she says to her brother, Rye, she says, Rye, come here, come here, sit down. And Rye, who, you know, listens to his sister because she's in charge of his existence, says, okay, whatever. And he sits down next to her and he's like, what is this? And she said, it's the erection section. And she starts (laughs) reading to him from this book. And Rye cannot get out of there fast enough. Oh, my God. He is scrambling to get up. And as he is hightailing it out of the room, I hear her say, welcome to my life. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's payback time. It was payback time. It's the erection section. It's the erection section. So we can actually call (laughs) this episode the erection section. I think, or... Boners and Wet Dreams. Or which Boners is and Wet Dreams, which is like the keeping more it real. Title. More formal, yes. more scientific. So your book perfectly expresses your journey to getting the boy book written, perfectly expresses that even though people assume that it's only girls who struggle with the physical and the emotional and social complications of puberty, that's not true. The reality is boys have their own challenging, complex journeys and experiences. They just don't necessarily feel the permission to talk about those experiences. And adults often assume that boys don't need to or want to talk about their physical development and their emotional development. But as you have spent your career doing... The truth is that boys deserve information and preparation for their puberty just as much as girls. So from guy stuff to decoding boys, you have offered that both for kids and for adults. Boys have worries and confusions too, thus rise quick escape from the room. Not quick enough. And with the kids we worked with and the adults we guide, two big worries come up over and over and over. And those tend to be boners, a.k.a. spontaneous erections, and B, wet dreams, a.k.a. nocturnal emissions. So, Dr. Notterson, please walk us through what is a, what's a boner, what's a spontaneous erection or not a spontaneous erection, and what is a wet dream or a nocturnal emission? So let's start with erections. Great. Always a great place to start. You know, I read recently, this was new to me, that there are ultrasounds of fetuses having erections. I mean, I thought I knew it all, but that was new to me. They do start very, very early. I did not see the ultrasound evidence, and so I don't believe everything I read, but for sure, my son is a newborn, like every other baby boy had erections. This is a normal part of male biology and physiology. An erection is just simply when the penis appears stiff and gets sort of elongated and harder and stiffer. And it's not 
the misnomer is the word bone in boner right. because, you know, it's sort of a nod to, oh, it looks like there's a bone in it. And the answer is there is no bone. So I, and I, you know, I say that with <laughs> no judgment at all. Sometimes people don't know and aren't sure and they're afraid. You can fracture a penis, which is so interesting. Yeah, I was so going to ask you about you, that. You can, but you don't, and we can talk about that, but we, but you don't break a bone. Uh, there is no bone in there. What makes the penis stiff is that it gets engorged with blood. The blood flows into it and actually gets stuck and cannot flow out and it gets stuck almost by design or really very much by design. Right. That, um, that's the engorgement. And so when the blood gets stuck in there and all of the capillaries and all the blood vessels are filled with blood, the tissue stiffens. And That's ultimately, an when you say it's by design, it's because? Well, it's because in order for a penis to do its job of ejaculating out sperm, right? Because the one goal of the penis is to be the organ that allows sperm to be able to get out of the male body and then fuse with an egg, whether it's, you know, in a Petri dish for IVF or whether it's in another human body, the goal of the penis is to be the vehicle by which the sperm can get out. The penis has a lot of other roles too, but that's that's one of its roles. It's very hard to do that with a flaccid penis. And it's especially hard to do that if the mating is happening inside a woman's body. If the penis isn't erect. Correct. Right. Correct. So, okay. So now we know a boner, a slight misnomer. But let's let's talk about the frequency of boners for a second. Yeah. And um, whether we can, males can control them or not control them. Yeah. So like I said, babies have them. Any parent of a boy baby knows that. And they do come and go um, throughout the day for young infants. I can't say that I know much about toddlers and young school age kids and the frequency of their erections because there really aren't very many studies mm -hmm. on the topic for obvious reasons. And unless we're examining a child in the office and he happens to have a spontaneous erection, you can't really speak to the frequency there, but we have to imagine for all the same reasons infants have uh, spontaneous erections, so too must toddlers and young school age kids. But by middle school, mm. this thing happens where many boys will report that they have spontaneous erections about every 45 to 90 minutes. Hmm. So we're talking several times a day at right. school like for a, a lot of guys. Every class change, basically. Yeah. Or in the middle of every in class, the which is of a lot trickier class. to yeah. hear. But, yep. And so there's a whole body of content out there to talk about how to hide your boner. Because... Um, it's one thing when the penis is small before pubertal development, but as the penis starts to grow through puberty, an erection becomes more and more obvious. And they feel embarrassed. And they feel, you know, I think some feel embarrassed. Mm. I think some feel the way girls feel about their boobs. It's like, I don't have any shame about it. Just don't, I just don't need eyeballs on the situation. Right, right. right? Because There's, a kid who sees another kid having an erection could quite possibly say, hey, nice boner. And, you know, they talk about erections for no reason. Mm -hmm. um, and that happens cyclically through the day for a lot of boys. But there are also erections for a reason. Right. So a lot of kids, when they start noticing that other kids have erections, will attribute it to sexual feelings about someone. Mm. And that's a lot to carry. Right. If you're a middle or high schooler and someone is getting on you because you have, must have a crush on so-and-so because... 
boom, there's right, your right. reaction. So, you know, um, there are tons of tried and true strategies and ways to kind of hide. And at some point during this podcast, our producer, Brian, is going to walk into the room and tell us his boner story. We're going to ask him to give us his best tips, no, no pun intended, on hiding an erection from back in his school days. Um, hands in the pocket is obviously the classic one where if your hands are in your pocket, the whole front of the pant mm-hmm. is tented. Mm-hmm. And that sort of serves as a little bit of a, a, a mask. Camouflage. Yeah, it's a camo. Right. I mean, also, um, you know, I know a lot of boys switch their choice of underwear at this age because boxers leave no place to hide a boner. That's right. Because they are free form. There's no compression at all. And there are lots of briefs and boxer briefs that just with a little bit of compression down there might, you know, keep the situation a little bit more contained. And I've had some boys tell me that they will tuck their erections up into the waistband of their boxer briefs. Lots of strategies. Now, sometimes that doesn't work for some boys because some penises... Uh, when they're erect, go more out than up. Others curve mm-hmm. to one side or another. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these are normal variations. Right, right. But it, it's, you, you, you kind of, you do you. And guys will talk about some of these strategies sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes. But that's the situation. That sort of lays the groundwork. Spontaneous erections actually tend to subside as um, men get older. At w- around what stage you do know, you think? I knew you were going to ask me that and I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But they are connected with so there's the sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. That's your fight or flight nervous system. Like you're being chased by a lion and that nervous system kicks in and you need to get out of there. So blood flows to your muscles and your heart pumps really fast right. and all that. And then there's the opposite, which is your resting nervous system, which is your parasympathetic nervous system. And spontaneous erections are tied to your parasympathetic. If you're being chased by a lion, you do not have time for an erection. Right. You also should not be hungry for a sandwich. Right. 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 So that's why you don't do those things or feel those things. Right. But when you're in a state of total relaxation, and one might argue that school is not necessarily a state of relaxation, but when does you're boredom not, count as yeah, relaxation? It probably <laughs> does. That's a really deep question. Mm-hmm. You know, that so that's time. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft, and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their umbras. It's why we say that the umbra may be your first bra, 
but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A.com. Now, there's this other thing that happens through puberty, which also subsides after puberty, which is this concept of wet dreams. Mm, wet dreams. Wet dreams. That's actually like excellent branding. Whoever came up with wet dreams, like that's a pretty brilliant phrase. Yeah. I'm not sure you would say that at your 14 year old self. Do you think you would? I mean, I never lived it. So I can yeah. appreciate the brilliance of the branding. Yeah. yeah. It just says what it is. It's, yeah. It's like, yeah. tell the people what they want to know. Yeah. So a wet dream is a spontaneous ejaculation. The semen, which is the fluid that includes sperm that is being produced in these newly developing testicles and young testicles of tween and teen boys, the semen comes out of the tip of the penis at some point when you're asleep. And the great debate is, is it sexual or is it not sexual? Mm -hmm. And um, there are lots of people who are trying to study this. And this is a tricky one to study because what you're doing is you're you're trying to tap into the dream state right. of someone right. um, who's a tween or a teen. And I'm not sure that information is going to be super forthcoming. Like, were you having a sexual dream? And exactly when in your sleep cycle? And how do you interrupt that sleep? And you, know, you can imagine. It's a imagine. big ask. This is, yeah. this is tricky. Yeah. Um, so right now, the data points largely towards, no, this is not sexual. Hmm. It is just spontaneous. Spontaneous means it just happens. And it happens often for some boys mm. and never okay. for some boys. So it's not a everybody has a uh -uh. wet dream. And somewhere in between for many boys. It can be a once a week. It can be a once a month. It can be a once a night. It can be a what? I never heard of that. And at what stage in their puberty? Because you've mentioned in the past that testosterone is kind of kicking around a male's body for one to two years before we see other evidence of male puberty. Yeah. Um, so wh where in that, in the stage of development, might wet dreams happen? You really ought to have testosterone upregulated in the body in order to have a wet dream. What I mean by that is there's never a stage in your life where you have zero testosterone, boy or girl. Right. But as boys go into puberty, they start making more and more testosterone. And the boy body ought to have at least some threshold level of testosterone before wet dreams happen. So said another way, if you're pretty sure your son's not in puberty and then you go to change his sheets and you see evidence of a wet dream, you may want to rethink that situation. Mm -hmm. That may be a clue to you that your son is in puberty. And if you have a 12-year-old who hasn't traditionally had challenges with wetting the bed and you do see a spot of wet in their sheets, don't assume they've peed the bed. So this is a really complicated topic, actually, because there are certain things that are connected with urinating, peeing in bed overnight that need to be taken pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. For instance, one symptom of diabetes mm. can be frequent urination. And one of the most common presentations of that is, oh my God, my child who has not wet the bed in years right. is wetting the bed. And sometimes parents are worried they're mistakening the urine, the pee for semen mm -hmm. or vice versa, and they're getting very confused. So usually urine 
Well, it has a very specific smell. Right. Right. Um, we all know that smell. Right. It's hard to describe, but there's a bitterness or a pungency to it that um, is very different from ejaculate. Yeah. It also is much more watery. There's yeah. no, no yeah. there there to it. And you tend to have a much bigger amount of it. Uh, when boys have wet dreams, it's usually a very small spot, uh, maybe the size of a quarter or two on the sheet. Um, urine goes much bigger and broader usually, soaks right through. It's just It's just water. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. And you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky. And I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash puberty 
And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at bioptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. With some stuff in it. If we're not sure if our kids, if our males are in puberty, like we haven't examined their testicles to see if they've grown as you have mentioned, that is the best indicator. Yes. Meaning testicular growth is the best indicator of being in puberty, but don't measure your son's testicles. Right. Don't go up to your son with the staples ruler and say, honey, I just want to take a look. Let's see. It's so funny that you said staples ruler because I'm like stapler. Oh God, God forbid. (laughs) Um, don't do that don't either. Don't do that either. <laughs> so, but there's a point at which, whether we know or not, we want to talk to our male yes. children the, about what is either going to happen or may already be happening to them. Yes. And we do know from our work with male adults that for many of them, spontaneous erections and wet dreams were actually sometimes traumatic for them in their yeah. own adolescence yeah. because no one talked to them about it. They thought there was something wrong with them. They thought they were a freak, when in reality, they were just being normal pubescent boys. Yeah. So we want to get ahead of the boners and the wet dreams. But not, this one is a good example of, but not too far ahead. Right. Like, so we're not going to go to our six-year-olds and be like, "That's right, hey, dude, any wet dreams? Yeah. But our 11 or 12-year-olds might be a good place to start. Yeah. So the way I usually recommend parents do it is if you're changing the sheets and you notice evidence of a wet dream, that is a perfect time to bring it up with your son who may or may not be clueless about it. And you can say something really non-judgmental like, hey, I was running the laundry today and I noticed that there was a wet spot on your sheet. Do you know what that is? You know, have you learned about this? Should we talk about it? Again, anytime you ask a yes, no question, you run the risk of hearing no. um, And that's fine. Um, If you say, do you want to talk about it? And he says, no, that's totally fine. With the case of wet dreams, usually what I say to parents or to kids themselves at that point is, hey, we can talk about it whenever you're ready. But if you do notice that this happens, which is completely normal, it would be awesome if you could take a little ownership of helping me wash the sheets. Right. And you're doing that with zero judgment. And you can teach a boy how to just, it's usually a very small spot. They usually don't have to strip the whole bed and the whole thing. And they can use a washcloth and just some water, or a little soap and water, and they can clean the spot and they can air it out. And you can just say, that'd be really cool. And there are lots of things. There are reasons why girls have to clean their sheets too. It's not a big deal. And you just kind of give them a little ownership because I think the biggest mistake is when a boy doesn't want to talk about it, which is okay then a parent takes the cue that then let's just hide the evidence every single time. Let's pretend it's not happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's teaching a whole different set of lessons. I mean, I would take a slightly different tact, which is offering to have a conversation about it. And if your kid says, yeah, I'm not interested, I do think it's important to give the kid a little information, even if they don't want to dialogue it out about what it is. Yep. Like we can't assume they know what a wet dream is. 
so you talked about like, it's no big deal. It's totally normal. It's actually really common in puberty. This is, you've actually done something called ejaculation. I don't know if you ever heard that word, but that's when the semen comes out of your right? Like they may not, and this is, I think, important. We talk about this on a lot, a lot of subjects. They may not want to engage in conversation, but it is our obligation to give them at least some basic I information. I totally agree. And I think the question is, is it in the moment or is it later? Right. And it just depends on the situation and your kid. So if you've got a kid, we've we've talked about the different types of kids and temperaments and personalities and their ability to receive information. And if you've got a kid who's really not receptive to information, you may need to parse that conversation out over time. And maybe in the moment when he's shutting down, you don't go there. But that night or the next day, you say, remember when I brought this up? I have to complete the thought for you. Let's talk about it now. Right. But you're right. You have to give them some information because knowledge is power. And by the way, often when we're coming across a kid's wet dream, it's the morning before school, everyone is rushing and stressed and you're trying to get everybody out the door. And that is like the A number one worst time to try to have an important conversation with your kids. You can just put a pin in it and say, hey, that's right. We'll circle back and talk about this later. This isn't a great time and I see that, but like, I'm going to come back to you on this. Or in that scenario, if you've got a kid who is not a great morning person or is a little anxious about getting to school that day for whatever reason, you could fully put a pin in the conversation until the afternoon and start the whole thing in the afternoon when there may be a little more downtime. So there are lots of right ways to have this conversation. One of the challenges of having the conversation in the morning it's so fascinating mm. to me, is that many, many boys will wake up with erections. Right, right. Um, why is that? You know, it's that same explanation of why they have spontaneous erections in the first place, which is it's the parasympathetic nervous system. It's that the it's the opposite of the fight or flight. You've been asleep. That, that part of your nervous system has taken over and dominated, and you just go through a cycle of erections. And this has been studied. Guys get erections frequently throughout the night. And so- Odds are when boys wake up in the morning, there are a large number of them who wake up every single morning with an erection. And you, if you're the parent who used to wake your child up, especially like give them a big hug, you know, jump, those boys do not want to be touched when they are feeling embarrassed or vulnerable or a little ashamed of you knowing this thing. Right, right. Um, they don't want to be discovered. So um, not all of them. Some some are fine with being discovered, but many will tell me, nah, I'm not so into it when my mom knows or when my dad knows. So it's just one of those things where I, I wouldn't make a federal case of what is happening in the genital region, what's going down with the penis in the morning between a wet dream and waking up at the erection, there's a lot right, happening there. Right. And it may be a good thing to just leave until a little bit later in the day. Yeah. I mean, there's an age where we knock on the door before we enter our kids' rooms. Correct. And with boys in the morning, I always knock on the door. I ask if I can come in. Now, it's my right to come into their room. Yep. I own their room. I own their house, but I'm not going to barge in. And particularly yep. if you have a kid who does wake up with an erection every morning, it gives him a heads up that someone's coming in. He yep. can roll over. He can pull his covers up. Yep. And if I happen to see his erection, what I am not going to say is, whoa, dude, check <laughs> out that boner. Oh my God. <laughs> right? I'm going to, as my brother Nick would say, I'm going to clock it. 
I'm going to notice it, that's information, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, I often get questions from parents about how long it takes for an erection to subside. It depends. It depends. You know, there's such a thing as having an erection for too long. That's called priapism. Hmm. Um, And that generally happens with medication that causes erections, especially erectile dysfunction drugs that are meant to stimulate erections. And sometimes they work too well and the blood gets sort of stuck in there for yeah. lack of a better description. And and that's an issue. It can happen for other reasons. You know, there are cases of kids who have blood disorders like sickle cell anemia, where if the blood cannot flow easily and the blood can get backed up and get stuck, they can end up with priapism. Mm. Um, so that's a thing, but that's when an erection is lasting for several hours. And the reason that's an issue is if the blood is not flowing out, then there can be issues with oxygen starvation okay. to the tissue. So a typical erection, uh, especially a spontaneous erection, I mean, some, for some boys, it just lasts minutes, a few minutes, and then it's done. But there's certainly longer erections. Is there anything, this is another question I get a lot from parents, is there any tactics their kids can use to help an erection subside if they are like, in class or at a swim meet yeah. or... It, it kind of depends upon how spontaneous or not spontaneous it is. There was sort of the old adage of think about something completely unsexy. Right. And, you know, with no disrespect to my mom, usually the first example is your grandmother. <laughs> uh, and that tends to help. Someone was like, someone said, think about baseball. Baseball. I've always, which is so funny. Which is funny because like I've, if you're really into baseball, I feel like that could be arousing. It really, actually. I guess it could. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Very. But yeah, but um, think so, about your mom or baseball. Yeah, not my mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> mom, sorry, sorry. Liz. Think about think about <laughs> other people's grandmothers, right? Or maybe baseball or a, a sport that you find boring. If you don't find baseball boring, so those are some strategies. But you know, sometimes erections are not spontaneous. They are because you have seen someone who you have a tremendous crush on, or you have seen an image that is really arousing. And so, you know, in medicine, we always say, remove the stimulus. Right. If you're, if you've got a problem, if you're allergic to something, remove the allergen. So in erection world, if you don't want to have the erection and it's being caused by an image or an idea or a thought, you do have to take that image or idea right. or thought away. Right. And I think it's actually really important to mention um, in the context of this conversation, erectile dysfunction. Mm. So this used to be a, an issue that only was talked about in 60, 70, and 80-year-old men. It used to be a, a total age-related phenomenon. Eventually, it morphed into something that was connected with some medications that some guys took. Now erectile dysfunction has showed up among teens in really surprisingly high numbers because of pornography, online pornography and exposure to porn. This is, we're not talking about spontaneous erections here. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about when you read that data, that is about when sexualized images have to be increasingly intense, graphic, graphic, sometimes violent in order to arouse a frequent viewer of porn. There is an issue that 
comes up where when the sexual imagery is not intense enough, a male cannot have an erection, hmm. which is it's sort of dumbfounding how big a deal this is in the teen and 20-something population. And so I often talk about it with teenage boys because they've heard a lot about it. And right. of course, the the antidote to that is getting off of porn. Less porn. Less porn. So our, the timing is perfect because okay. producer Brian has just entered Hi, Brian. the room. Brian, we're not going to talk to you about porn. No. Although um, maybe some other time. That's for another episode. We have talked about spontaneous erections and we have talked about wet dreams. And we were sort of wondering because neither of us have ever had spontaneous erections, nor have we had wet dreams. We were wondering as a biologically male person, if you wanted to share with us your most memorable spontaneous erection or not spontaneous erection story. Spontaneously, and I do hear, you want to share with us here? I hear, I hear giggles from the producer's booth. <laughs> thank you, Vanessa. Thank you, Cara. And uh, thank you for addressing this issue. You know, I try to bring this up on so many podcasts. And nobody, <laughs> nobody's really all that interested in you talking know, about it. You know, Aliza Preston doesn't want to talk about spontaneous erections <laughs> on Raising understand. Good Humans. You know, one of these days. <laughs> Oh boy, most spontaneous time. Well, I, I could tell you the most traumatic instance would be, and and this is a good lesson to all the mothers and fathers out there, is if you're ever dropping your child off to school mm. and you find that they're stalling, mm. suddenly they have a stomach ache, they have a headache, they're reluctant to leave the car, please don't push them. <gasps> That's amazing. This is on par with... The school bell ringing. It's time for your next class. Oh, Brian. Oh, boy. Oh, Brian. Can you give oh, us boy. a year? Can you give us a year that this may have happened? Ever since I was 14. Okay. Just about everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So if the you now could give the 14-year-old you advice, what would you, 14-year-old you do to cover up or get through those situations in a way that didn't feel like everyone in the universe could see. Oh, wow. There's one trick that I think most guys tend to figure out on their own. This doesn't require any sort of education. Does the term 12 o'clock mean anything to you? No, but I think I may have just referred to it without giving it a special name. Tell us what 12 o'clock yeah, is. Yeah, I think we're probably all on the same page. <laughs> Aren't you feeling so you smart? See, <laughs> in situations like this, there's more, let's say, upward energy than there is downward. Yeah. So it's a losing battle. You really, you go in naive thinking, okay, I'm going to force this down. Maybe if I go down the center of my jeans, there'll be enough. Oh, um, glass. There'll yeah. be enough to keep you there. It's a losing battle. It's going to veer left or right. And yep. you're going to have that fun bump in your pants. Yep. Yep. So what I would suggest is to flip it straight up into the waistband. 12 o'clock, baby. 12, 12 o'clock. Yeah, we were we were talking about that strategy. And what I was saying to Vanessa is that some guys have curvatures in their penis and that- 11 o'clock. It's a tricky strategy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Both 11 and one are acceptable. So that's that was your go-to, that was your go-to strategy for trying to camouflage an erection. Hands in the pockets. It's all you can do. And I'm wearing camouflage pants today. This is such a perfect- <laughs> I, may, I may have, that may have- given me the inspiration for that. Okay. Now the other question is, 
do you have a wet dream memory? I think what you mean by that is, do you have a memory of having of had having woken a wet up? Dream. <laughs> right, because we did have a conversation, oh, yeah. Brian, just to fill you in about. It's unclear what people are dreaming about when they have their wet dream, and we are not asking you to be the one in a zillion who can pair those two things, right? Who can remember what they were dreaming of? But do you have a memory of having had a wet dream? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's something that comes up a lot. It really takes you off guard if you were to let's say, allow yourself to get backed up for a while. Mm, there you go. It's, it's a little easier to find it, yourself in a situation. So I have heard situation. that and I didn't know if it was like an urban legend or not. Is it the case that the semen needs to come out one way or another? And so therefore a male will have a wet dream? You know, it's so fascinating because it has never, ever, ever been discussed in any medical or science type lecture really? I've ever been in. And yet in every social gathering, yes. cultural. It's like it's common knowledge that has never been backed up in my experience by a science talk, but it, it feels, it does feel a bit common knowledgey. And I just right, don't but think like, it's, I, I think it's rooted in something real, but beyond I think, that- How I do we get someone to conduct that study? Dr. <laughs> Producer Brian, can you conduct that? <laughs> can you delighted. oversee that study for us? Okay. So- I have this company, Brian, where I make bras for girls who have new breasts, new boobs, and they're, you know, they kind of have this torpedo shape and it's, how do you solve for that and make them feel good about themselves? And I, I cannot tell you the number of calls I get from parents saying, well, we need guy underwear that does the same thing that yeah. solves for the spontaneous erection problem. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. What would that underwear, Brian, if you could design a pair of Umla underwear? I have great news. Yeah. And I, I promise this was not my intention going into it when I made this purchase. But there's a lot of, oh gosh, what is the term? That's sort of athletic underwear. That's very, very tight. Yes. Yeah. It sort of holds you in place. You wear it underneath of your shorts. So there are brands. There's one brand that my son wears that has, I mean, all over the box, it's the ball sack, I think is the technology. Mm. And it's really meant to hold the penis and the testicles in a certain way. Yeah. So that there's that sort of degree of comfort. To me, I will say when parents ask me about it, so long as it's not too tight. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about because the testicles hang away from the body for a reason. Correct. To keep the sperm temperature regulated. Correct. And it's a balance. It's the same reason we don't want girls in sports bras 24 hours a day. You know, you don't want to strap down everything super tight. Right. So there's a balance. But I think when you go to your eighth grade self mentally and you think about the I mean, I'm just feeling it through the room, like yeah. Brian reliving yeah. his his middle school experience. I mean, I I think having solutions in your undergarments is really helpful. I will say that they've done a really good job of leaving sort of a pouch these days. I think they've they've sort of addressed that issue mm. because I've purchased this sort of product multiple times. And the first time around, it was so aggressive. It yeah. was impossible yeah. to go about your day. Your balls but, were screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we always laugh about the, the SNL skit with sweaty balls, but it's really relevant to this conversation that we're having yes. right now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there was a point where one of my teenage sons said to me, hey, mom, I think it's time for me to get some new underwear because I can't adjust. If I get a boner in school, I got no options. I also think it's worth mentioning that your kids are particularly articulate about these matters (laughs) and that 
an average American might use very different language (laughs) and a normal parent may need to eke out the subtext of that. Over the course of many weeks. So can you translate that, Vanessa, into a more typical sentence that a parent might hear? So if you don't live in my house, for which you can feel free to be super grateful, the conversation might sound something like, hey, dude, you know what I noticed? Like you're growing all over your body and what might feel comfortable for your underwear might be different now than it was a few years ago. And I've talked to some older guys who said that this underwear is actually more comfortable for them than boxers. So I was wondering if you wanted me to order some different kinds of underwear for you to try and you can see what feels comfortable. I also think along those exact same lines, I suddenly have a deep appreciation for why young high schoolers like super baggy pants. Yes, that comment has been made in my house. So the sweatpants that look like they are 18 sizes too big. Yes, I'm feeling like I was very, very dumb for a very long time. And this conversation has, you know, the light bulb has gone off and I'm not going to press my son to wear pants that actually fit him for a while. Yeah. Give him, give him that space. Literally. Literally. So Brian, we like to end every episode with a practical puberty takeaway. And if you would be so kind as to share from your own personal experience, what advice would you give to adults who are trying to love and support their sons who may be experiencing spontaneous erections and wet dreams, how not to shame, embarrass and rush them out of the car to school in the morning. What would you say to those folks? It's sort of anti-advice, but I would strongly suggest never, ever bring it up under any circumstances. Be very patient with them. Be willing to accommodate what may seem like strange requests. Mm, I love that. Shopping, for example, it may be a good idea to just give them money, say, oh, um, it's time to pick up some new wardrobe, give them a checklist of, underwear, socks, whatever it may be, and let them do it on their own. Um, Hmm. I can't imagine in that situation, a child would come back without underwear. They know that they need underwear ultimately. So they'll- You don't live in my house, Brian, if you're making that (laughs) assumption. Yes. One more thing you could add on underwear here is back in my day, boxers were the standard. I don't know if that's true today. I think boxer briefs have become the sort of status quo, but I would encourage that. If you are in a situation where you need to pick it out for them, Go with that because there's very limited damage that can be done if in you're a boxer strapped brief. in place in okay. a boxer brief. Yeah. Okay. So when in doubt, go boxer brief. Absolutely. I like that. But so does it feel like infantilizing when your adult chooses your underwear or is involved in your underwear choices? I would find it very uncomfortable okay. personally. That's so yeah. interesting. That's actually yeah. super helpful for me to know in the context of my house. It's also really great to hear... That on a podcast where we're talking about talking about puberty, that there are circumstances in which Mm. not talking is louder. And so I think this, my pearl here is while understanding the anatomy and understanding the physiology is really important and making sure kids know that normal is normal is really important there are some things where less is more in the conversation. I think my practical puberty pearl, I'm going to just keep calling it something different in every episode, um, is actually based on something that Brian said, which is 
if your developing teen makes a strange request, understand that that strange request may be coming from a place of embarrassment or needing a little time and a little space and like be patient with them and humor them when they maybe don't want to get out of the car or need a moment when you come into their room. I think that's really empathic and generous advice, Brian. And I love that. Like honor the strange requests because sometimes there's something important behind those strange requests. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at the puberty podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.